Welcome to the East Noble podcast. The intent here is to bring relevant news, information, and commentary regarding East Noble schools in Northeast Indiana. My name is John Clausen. To address the risk of not being able to maintain your attention through this podcast, I wanted to share an important excerpt here at the start. This is from the board's June 21st working session on the transgender policy. So you're saying if they want to challenge the state law and you go through the first three, how does the board want to finally yes. make their say? Because they, because if they want to challenge the state law, at no point does at the team level, the athletic director, they don't get to decide until it gets to us. Correct. Well, they can say they're they're either denying it or approving it. Doesn't this sound like our superintendent and board want to use our hard-earned tax dollars, our athletic department, and our students as leverage to challenge state law? And would this mean that East Noble would allow a boy to play on a girl's team while it's being litigated? Listen to the rest of the podcast for further details and audio from that meeting because the only thing that is clear is that it is unclear. And after many opportunities to clear up misunderstandings, the board has thus far refused to do so, both with informal emails, personal requests, and FOIAs. Misunderstandings are entirely on them. Well, as you can tell by now, this episode is going to focus on the proposed transgender policy at East Noble. The left is thinking several steps ahead, and so should we. The public became aware that the East Noble School Board was considering a quote-unquote transgender policy at the board working session earlier this year. This was fast off the heels of voting to uphold a secret committee's decision that found content about masturbation, racism, gay slurs, and religious bigotry acceptable for use in the curriculum through part-time Indian. This episode's goals are to explain the timeline, the sources of confusion, the lack of transparency, and debate why the board feels they need a transgender policy at all. You should consider this very relevant because it looks like the policy will be voted on in just a few days on August 23rd at the board meeting. Well, before we get into the details, I'd like to express two things. Number one, any inaccuracies on details are not purposeful or done because of a hidden agenda. My goal here is to be truthful and factual. I will sometimes get it wrong. This is most likely due to a misunderstanding or some lack of time. I do make every effort to provide references when applicable and available. If you feel that something is out of line, I would ask that you let me know. Number two, it could be that the board may end up voting exactly how their community would want them to. That would be a great outcome. However, throughout this process, there has been substantial lack of transparency. Regardless of the resulting policy, we need to fervently pursue improvements to communication and collaboration between the board and its constituents. So, okay, let's dive in. Here in this first segment, we're going to cover the timeline from Indiana law to East Noble School Board proposed policy. We'll start with a summary timeline. In the 2022 legislative session, 1041 was passed addressing boys and girls sports. On July 1st, 2022, important portions of that law went into effect. From this point on, schools were required by law to establish and maintain a grievance procedure. June 21st, 2023, at the board working session, we first learned that the board was considering a transgender athlete policy. On July 15th, the board was asked clarifying questions about their full intent, and we will see you later that they have not yet been fully transparent as of the time of this recording. July 19, 
At the board working session, much to their credit, the superintendent and board brought the school district lawyer into the meeting where the audience could hear firsthand what the lawyer was recommending. This video was available on our Facebook group. August 8, during the main school board meeting, the topic was covered in discussion, where it was said that the lawyer simplified the proposed processes and they would vote on it at the next meeting. Also on August 8th, after personal requests from individuals to see the proposed policy were not fruitful, I filed a FOIL request, which the superintendent acknowledged on August 9. As of August 20, I have not received any additional response. On August 18, the school board agenda was released, which only cryptically said what they intended to vote on in the meeting. And all we see are policy numbers which do not provide the public with any description. While this may not be the first time this has occurred, it is the first time at least that I noticed, and I think we can all agree that this is bad form at best, or a more purposeful lack of transparency at the worst. Now we're going to transition to some more detail in the timeline. If you like detail, this segment's for you. We're hopping back in time to July 1st, 2022. Important portions of 1041 went into effect. From this point on, the schools were required by law to establish and maintain a grievance procedure or use a previously existing one so that someone could report an alleged violation of the law. What's that law? A male based on a student's biological sex at birth in accordance with the student's genetic and reproductive biology may not participate in an athletic team or sport designated under this section as being a female, women's, or girls athletic team or sport. It's important to point out here that the state law is not prescribing that the procedure be specific to one topic. In other words, perhaps existing procedures could work. And they are not requiring a grievance process for a boy to challenge state law. Let's repeat it again. The state law is not prescribing that procedure be specific to the topic. They could use an existing grievance procedure. And the state law is not requiring that a grievance process be for a boy to challenge state law. Such a local school-driven grievance process to enable a challenge to state law would smell of a hidden agenda. This is why we have asked the board multiple times since July what they intend to do. Because of their past decisions and because of the outrage expressed towards Teresa Grimaud at her last gig in Manchester schools where they clearly seemed to express publicly that she had a hidden gender agenda. Well, let's also consider this. Since East Noble is just now considering a new policy, it is assumed that East Noble has either not properly fulfilled Indiana law since July 1st, 2022, by the simple fact that they did not have a grievance procedure specific to this law, or the school felt it was operating sufficiently under an existing general grievance procedure, which they already have in their policy portfolio. Which one is it? Why did the school feel for the past year that they didn't need another procedure specific to transgender athletes? Now let's transition to June 21st, 2023 at the board working session, where we first learned that the board was considering the transgender athletics policy. The following is some audio. First, we're gonna play the start to about the 22nd mark. Um, in front of you are three additional policies uh, that we're going to ask for approval at the next board meeting. So they were um, mostly on updating the interscholastic athletics uh, the transgender athletics. Okay, what you heard there was a description of the policy as transgender athletics. Next, at the 22 second mark, we hear the superintendent 
ask for guidance from the board about a grievance. And then adjunct teachers, because that's a new policy. But if you look on page um, policy 2431, the first one that was on top, on the second page, I would need some uh, guidance from you when there is a grievance for this policy. Um, and this is for a, a transgender student. She specifically says, quote, this is for the transgender student at the 43 second mark. Will those notes be on the website? I'm sorry, this is our work session. So yep. Thank you. You're welcome. What you just heard there was a citizen asking to see the notes or the policy draft. While we're not permitted to speak during a working session, no one that I know of helped her with her question at the end. So this, this inner scholastic athletics, what, what's the change covering? This is all about transgender students and if there is a grievance about someone that believes or somebody's transgender competing on a girl's team, they can go and uh, do a grievance process. That portion sounded like Brent Durbin asking Teresa for clarification, and that clarification seemed relatively okay, but still a little unclear. I mean, in the end of that discussion, I would have concluded that the grievance process is for a girl to report a transgender student on her team. All right, at that 242 mark, things kind of get muddy. So you're saying if they want to challenge the state law, and you go through the first three, how does the board want to finally yes. make their say? That was a board member who, to me, sounded like Doug Jensen asking for uh, more clarification. And he said, so you are saying if they want to challenge state law, how does the board finally want to make their say? And within that comment was a yes, which sounded like it came from Teresa. As you can see, this clearly sounds like the local school board is desiring to put a process in place that is not what the state law calls for. As we said earlier, the state law is for the girl reporting a violation of the law, not for someone to challenge the law and have any East Noble school official supporting them in the process. Because they, because if they want to challenge the state law, at no point does, at the team level, the athletic director, they don't get to decide until it gets to us, correct? Well, they can say they're, de they're either denying it or approving it. And it goes to the next step. it goes to the next step. So it's so two of those three. They're going to build a process. They correct. very potentially could just continue to appeal it, it all could. the way up. You don't know. And that section sounded like the question came from Faye Klein, basically saying, quote, because if they want to challenge state law, then a person sounding like our superintendent says that the local East Noble school officials would be, quote, either denying or approving it. That is to support the student to challenge the state law using their own words. Then at the 332 mark in response to Faye, Teresa seems to say, and it's hard to hear, if someone reports it, they are filing a grievance, then follow the process. Or somebody could potentially go against the
In summary, two things were said. One, it's for the athlete who wants to challenge the law. And two, it's for the athlete who wants to report an alleged violation of the law. To me, both were clearly stated. Yet the state law does not require a local school to provide a process to challenge state law. It only requires that a girl be protected from boys who infiltrate their sports or teams. So then why has it been so hard for the board members to transparently clarify this and why have some board members accused their constituents of being misleading? And this, friends, brings us to the next point. July 15, 2023. The board was asked the following question, and it still has not answered directly to the heart of the question as of August 20. Does East Noble intend in any way to have a grievance process or any methodology, policy, approach, or steps for a male athlete to file a grievance or challenge with East Noble or the state of Indiana for having been denied or removed from participation in a female sport at East Noble. The board still has not answered that simple question. So the board will answer that simple question. They won't share policy drafts and they post their agenda with cryptic policy numbers. Does that sound like great representative government to you? When there are trust issues with the board as we legitimately have, they could easily put them aside by answering simple questions, but they often choose the contrary. Now let's discuss July 19 at the board working session. Much to their credit, the superintendent and board brought the school district lawyer into the meeting where the audience could hear firsthand what the lawyer was recommending. That video is available at our Facebook group. In that meeting, based on my recollection, the lawyer said that the original considered proposed policy text was more complicated than it needed to be, and that was a four- to five-step process. And he did clarify the narrowness of the law being focused specifically only on being to report an alleged breaking of state law. He offered to assist with a simpler approach. I believe the lawyer also noted that 1041 did start to be challenged in court, but the student moved and the case was dropped. This is important because some were under the apparently mistaken impression that the law already withstood a court ruling and had precedent. It was further stated that the ACLU is likely looking for another example to take to court, and it's only a matter of time. This is extremely important because this means that we must prepare now for what we intend to do when the time comes that boys will be permitted in girls' sports in our state. Fathers and mothers, be prepared for civil disobedience because this board and the superintendent have a track record that does not inspire confidence that they will do the job for you. Well, why do I say that? Well, based on experience in watching culture war issues in the courts in the last several years, in my opinion, I expect that the following is likely to happen. A boy will win his case within the next two school years. Schools in the state of Indiana will be forced to allow boys and girls sports for a period of time while it works through the courts. School boards will behave as if they are powerless and claim that they have to follow state law rather than stand up for the rights of girls and the values of their communities. In the absence of information, we are left to suspect that this is one of the reasons why the board doesn't want to be transparent with their positions on this because it could be that some are plowing the road for boys and girls sports. This is only speculation, but let's consider the pattern of the superintendent at other schools and how East, the East Noble Board has behaved since her arrival. Clearly the matter will go to federal court 
and then to the Supreme Court. During this process, girls' sports may be devastated for one or two years. And as we all know, high school goes by in about five minutes, and our girls will never get those opportunities back. That brings us to August 8. During the main school board meeting, the topic was covered in the discussion section, where it was said that the lawyer simplified the proposed process and they would vote on it at the next meeting. It was also stated that a suggestion from a community member was not recommended by the lawyer for adoption. He said that it went beyond current law and felt it was unnecessary because of some gender impression on the birth certificate. The suggestion they were referring to was to automatically disqualify somebody for not providing clear legal evidence of their gender at birth. In transparency, I made a similar proposal and they might have been referring to me. Again, you can find the recording of the August 8th meeting on our Facebook group. If you choose to watch that video, you may recognize that the board took a much appreciated different approach to the meeting. There was significant discussion in front of the public and some of the, of the public's concerns were briefly responded to. We should always be willing to thank the board when good steps are taken. Finally, on August 18th, the school board agenda was released, which only cryptically said what they intended to vote on in the meeting. All we see are policy numbers which do not provide the public with any description. Why on earth would a school board and a superintendent agree to cryptic agendas when they know that we have been actively seeking transparency? Please explain that. Alrighty then, that was the timeline from legislative session in 2022 to the pending vote in August 2023. Moving on to our next segment entitled, What's the Real Problem? Well, we went through the transgender athlete timeline and we just don't know what's in the policy proposal. But what is the real problem here? Well, the short answer is there is an ongoing lack of trust. And that's built brick by brick on the following. Number one, repeat occurrences of lack of transparency. When given golden opportunities, such as sharing proposed policies with the public well ahead of a vote and seeking input, and providing transparency into committees which make recommendations to the board, they don't come through. They also have a clear tendency to vote left of center or not take a stand against anything left of center on cultural war matters. They have recurring poor communication and collaboration with their community. They've shown poor decision-making rationale or claims of powerlessness. They've asked us to blindly trust teachers when they see constant examples across the country and state that tell us to do otherwise. They actually accuse their constituents of desiring censor censorship and book banning, which could not be a more dishonest argument. Our schools now and throughout history have always reasonably governed what content is appropriate. A general appearance of a lack of interest to even learn about key topics from outside their own echo chamber is another problem. When given a golden opportunity to truly learn about what gender ideology is doing to young people, they just didn't care enough to attend. If they could not attend, well, they just didn't care enough to ask questions or seek out what it was said. Next, there's a clear theme of focusing only on making sure that they don't break the law and get into trouble, rather than do what is good, beneficial, and necessary in K-12 education. If they did that, they would not only keep from breaking the law, but they would satisfy their constituents and improve educational outcomes. 
Well, then there's just the plain old unwillingness to answer some important direct questions from their constituents. Next, there's the school board meetings, which only until the last meeting, they've all been just rubber stamp meetings with little or no discussion. And then what about the treatment of their constituents, forcing them out by police, telling them they cannot express criticism, and saying that you really don't give two blanks about our thoughts, ideas, and beliefs. Finally, there's the very questionable history of our Superintendent Teresa Grimmel at Manchester Schools. The outcomes above suggest that the citizens of Manchester Schools must have had merit for their concerns. And all this tends to make you wonder if the board and superintendent deliberately take the opposite point of view of the majority of their constituents, dig in their heels, and with hard hearts and egos on full display, they refuse to give in an inch for petty, immature reasons. Or perhaps they do indeed have a hidden agenda. All right, to wrap it up, let's just recap. We discussed the timeline for the transgender athlete topic then the case was made that because we still don't entirely know what is in the proposed policy, we can't be sure what the board will vote on. Finally, the long list of reasons why we should all be very cautious of trusting the superintendent and board were laid out. Chief among them were lack of transparency and how they apparently hold the American value of representative government in severe low esteem. Now, friends, this is where you come in. It's not nearly good enough to express your frustration on social media alone. It's not good enough to choose to keep yourself so busy that you cannot be a noble knight watching over your students' educational leaders. Many now see the path we are on as a country and a community. As adults, we were raised in comfort and prosperity. Perhaps we have not had the need to fight for what is right before. Perhaps we have not had good examples or any examples at all to follow. But you and I need to be servant leaders and be an example and demand better. So you were busy, but you hear this message and in your heart you want to do something. Yet in no time at all, the busyness of your life will return like a rushing wind. For some, this might be a sense of guilt. Trust me, I know. But this isn't about guilt at all. This is about taking steps to demand real change. Frankly, it's not even optional. Treated as optional, and boys will be in female safe places, and boys will ruin female competition, our children will be indoctrinated with gender ideology and face unprecedented mental health issues as a result. Filth will be pervasive in the curriculum. These are on the agenda of many educational organizations and unions. And given the voting record, lack of transparency, and Ter Teresa Grimaud's outcomes at Manchester schools, can we truly afford to just sit back and trust the board and superintendent? So in your limited time, what is it that you can do? Here's some suggestions. You can support our efforts for improvements to Indiana law by understanding them and then asking your representatives to get it done. This can be done with short emails and phone calls, but it has to be repeatedly followed up on. This step can easily fit into a busy schedule. Annie Snowball, our representatives are Sue Glick, Ben Smaltz, and David Abbott. We'll place their contact information on our group site and Facebook. Another thing you can do is to get involved with the school board. You can come to the board meetings. You can speak at the meetings. There's people that will help you with the speech or help you understand how to approach it. You can write emails. You can call or request meetings with your board members. 
But one thing I will caution you on is that they come across as nice, well-intentioned people. You must put more of a focus on their outcomes and less on how nice and quote-unquote Christian some of them come across. Remember, they seem to have been compromised as they support filth and a lack of transparency. Number three, well, you can influence others in the community with discussions and information. It is very effective when trusted friends have a dialogue. Share the information that we've provided to you. Next, when the time comes, we need to replace the board members who are not doing well to represent their constituents. Pastors and church leaders, could you consider encouraging your members to take part in a mission to engage the school? Finally, for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and God as the creator of the universe, pray for your school board, community, and students, because there is nothing more powerful than trusting on God. But wait, there's more. If we are truly in this for a positive outcome, then we must do more than just criticize the board. We must always come with proposed solutions. Here are some suggestions for the board and the superintendent to consider. Continue the change in approach that you started on August 8th. However, if you make it into a thank you fest rather than a dialogue over real decisions and issues, you will further turn off your community. Number two, provide policy proposals and the revisions on your website with plenty of advance notice to your constituents to think about them, ask questions, and provide input. Number three, apologize to your constituents when you overstep their constitutional rights and show respect for their thoughts, views, and beliefs rather than tell them that you don't care about them. Number four, answer questions from constituents without the need for FOIAs and repeat follow-ups. Five, show that you are a critical thinker. Put in the time to understand the matters. Don't just assume the superintendent has all the right answers. Your constituents should not be doing more homework than you are. Number six, stop using dishonest rhetoric to marginalize your constituents. Regulating filthy materials in K-12 education has always been done, and it has absolutely nothing to do with book banning and censorship. Stop it. Help your constituents understand why we should trust our superintendent given her outcomes at Manchester schools. And finally, don't just set the bar for K-12 education on what's good enough to avoid legal issues. Show us that you can make wise decisions based on better goals and objectives. Well, now it's time for final comments, really this time. Thank you for your time today, and I hope you will listen again soon. I hope that you will join our community for further dialogue on our Facebook group, Engage East Noble Public. You are encouraged to take the suggested actions to heart. Please also attend the next East Noble School Board meeting. I hope to see you there. Until next time, count your blessings and take peace. Bye-bye.